Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. I have with me our special guest coming to us from the North uh, west part of California, the Bay Area. Say hello, Dr. Ronnie Brown. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Hey, I'm terrific. Having a great day here. Um, I'm very excited to have you on. Um, I love what we're going to talk about today. I think our, our guests, uh, our listeners will too. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about how you got into dentistry? Well, you know, Patrick, it wasn't uh, something that I really um, grew up thinking that I was going to you know, be a dentist. Uh, when I went to college, I really wanted to be a child psychologist. I loved, um, you know, working with young people, but also really, I think, understanding behaviors and what motivates people. And I uh, decided to major in college in psychobiology because I also really love science. I really wanted to kind of have a dual major that would um, provide me potentially with more um, options. And then um, I think I was probably a junior in college. I went to the Career Center, started to investigate child psychologist. And when I kind of looked at the bottom line of, you know, have to get a PhD and kind of that return on investment was kind of low. <laughs> and uh, simultaneously, I had a friend who was a year ahead of me who was applying to dental school. And I had never thought about dentistry as a career, but I had always really enjoyed seeing my own dentist. So I began volunteering at the dental school and realized that this was a profession that was really a perfect blend between psychology and science. And that's what kind of led me to uh, begin volunteering at the dental school and ultimately applying and starting a career as a dentist. Well, I'm glad you did. Um, And the reason why I'm glad you did is is partly because of what we're going to talk about today and how you're helping dentists and helping patients. Um, and the, I think the psychology, your, your, your uh, love for psychology is going to tie into this as well. So um, the problem that we're going to talk about today or what, one of the things that you're here to talk about today is uh, helping dentists to identify people with substance abuse issues or, or hygienists or anyone on the team for that matter. Um, so how much of a problem is this and how much, how much do dentists actually see this when they start looking for it? Really great question. Um, definitely it's a problem. It's really kind of a a silent epidemic that courses through every single dental practice, no matter if you're in private practice, you're working in a dental school environment, you're working in a federally qualified health clinic. Um, It's it's a problem. It's estimated that about one out of every 10 Americans has a substance use disorder. Um, You've got 67,000 people dying of an opioid use disorder almost every single year, 12,000 dying of a stimulant use disorder. Um, you've got a significant percentage uh, dying and suffering from alcohol use disorder. So it is prevalent and pervasive, um, not only amongst our patients, but it's just pervasive overall throughout the population. We all know somebody who's addicted, right? A family member, a friend, a colleague, or one of our patients. Yeah. So, and I'm sure a person who is struggling with addiction, little interactions here and there can probably make a, a a big difference in helping them get on the road to recovery. Um, I know that a lot of what you do and you can help Dennis with this is, is 
helping them identify um, what to look for, what are those cues. Um, and we can touch on that a little bit. I know that's something that we don't have a, a lot of time to do now, right? We can't we can't go over all that now. And you do offer CE classes that we can talk about here towards the end. But let's talk about the psychology. Why why is it important for dentists to look for um, these issues? So many reasons. And the great question, Patrick. I think the first thing is that we have a obligation to do no harm. And when we have a patient who comes into our practice who might be high on a drug, the things that we do could trigger a medical emergency in our practices, whether it's someone who is high on a stimulant and we inject them with anesthetic that contains epinephrine that could create a cardiac emergency, or we're prescribing a medication to someone who is, let's say, in recovery as a medication that could trigger a relapse. So there's a lot of reasons why, but the first one is obviously do no harm. I think the second reason why we want to know is we want to do good for our patients, right? We want to develop treatment plans that are going to be successful. And we have to understand that if a patient is using drugs, that use of the drug is going to compromise the success of any treatment plan. It could cause a hyposalivation and xerostomia. It increases rapid demineralization of their teeth, causing rapid formation of dental decay. Um, so there's a lot of things associated with the drug use that will compromise the success of our treatment. So we want to do good by knowing so we can incorporate uh, not just the implant, but salivary substitutes and remineralizing products so that our treatment plan can be successful. And then the third reason, Patrick, is we want to uh, be ethical. We want to um, recognize who these patients are so that we can then refer them to professionals who specialize in substance use disorders that can help support uh, their efforts to get on a road to recovery. So I understand that it's it's gonna require a blunt conversation. Again, this is something I don't think we can teach or you can teach a dentist to do during this 15 minutes that we have together. Um, But fear has to be the driver of why a dentist or hygienist or anyone on the team wouldn't want to, right? It's an awkward conversation unless you're having it all the time, um, you could probably lose a patient, right? Not like meaning they could get upset and leave the practice. Um, you could potentially falsely accuse someone, right? Um, I've been in that situation where I asked someone, hey, is this going on? And they got very upset. Um, so there's fear kind of drives why we typically don't have hard conversations, right? It's hard to look at the, the benefits. Um, so what are some things that people can do to get over these fears? What are, what would What's your answer to that? Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that in order to have, and we all have hard conversations, right? Whether it's you're fired or I don't love you anymore or whatever it is, we all we sure. have, have hard conversations. But, you know, I think that in order to have a hard conversation, you got to do two things simultaneously. Okay. You have to first manage your own emotional reaction to addiction. And we all have an emotional reaction. It might be a sense of denial, like, mm, I don't really have this problem in my practice, or it could be a sense of embarrassment, like, I don't want to do something that could, or say something that could embarrass the patient, or it could be that feeling of helplessness, like, if the patient does acknowledge, do I have the resources to actually help them? So we have to first kind of acknowledge, you know, our emotional reaction, and we also have to manage the patient's perception. So that the patient doesn't feel judged or accused or non-judgmental. So ways that you can do that is first, um, be objective. You know, addiction is a disease. It's a disease that has the same type of uh, 
describers, if you will, than as diabetes and high blood pressure. And when we talk to our patients about their hypertension or their diabetes, we don't approach it with any type of denial, shame, or helplessness. So sure. when you, so when you approach it objective with the same uh, tone of voice, eye contact, it helps to manage your own emotional reaction to addiction. The second thing would be to speak to your, your patient about your core values. You know, why you decided to become a dental professional, whether it's to help people create beautiful smiles, build relationships. Because when you weave that into the conversation, like, you know, Mary, you know, um, I chose to be a dentist. I, I want to help create a beautiful smile. Um, I want you to achieve optimum oral health. And I know that there's challenges and experiences that all my patients have that sometimes get in the way of that. And the reason why um, I'm at was asking you or asking you if you have ever used, let's say, methamphetamine is that information allows us to work together so that we can build into a treatment plan, a treatment plan that's going to help to uh, support you and also support uh, our mutual desire to create that beautiful smile. When you share your core value, it manages your patient's perception of why you're asking the question and replaces the feeling of being judged with your desire to help and care for that patient. Um, does that kind of- Yeah, it, it does. Let me let me ask you this though. How many patients are honest about that or are going to be honest about that? And then what do you do if you know they're clearly, hey, it's very clear that you have a drug problem um, and you're not being honest about it. How do you handle that? And let me just back up a little bit. If you look at health intake forms, Prior to legalized marijuana here in our state in Colorado, the amount of people that said no, that they didn't use marijuana compared to just months later when marijuana became legal in the state for recreational uses, those numbers on health intake forms went way up. Also, people in people will lie about alcohol use too, right? How much they actually use. If someone says they have a couple of drinks per day, that probably means four or five drinks per day. So what do you do if it's clear that they're they're not telling you the truth? Okay, well, let me unpack that because there's a lot of... There, there is a lot of that, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so the first thing is, you know, on a health history form, that question, do you have a history of substance abuse, should be on the health history form. And it's important. Uh, and we can talk about that um, later. But there has been multiple studies um, and systematic reviews that have actually shown that patients, when asked on a health history form, with about 70 to 94% of the time, will accurately self-report a history of substance abuse. Hmm. I can attest to that because in my practice environment, the majority of my patients check that box, yes. Now, of course, you're not gonna capture everybody and you are gonna have a percentage of the population who will deny substance abuse, even though there's clinical or behavioral indicators that they are using. Once again, you can still approach the conversation with, uh, if you see oral, findings, you know, teeth that are blackened or severe uh, rampant generalized caries that has a very unusual presentation or even behavioral manifestations, you still can approach it with, you know, this is suggestive or, you know, I've had patients in the past who share with me, um, you know, let me back up. You can say something like, you know, this pattern of decay is really common with patients uh, who have shared with me that they've used methamphetamine. Have you ever used the drug? So you, and by doing that, you're letting the patient know you've seen it before. Sure. You've had patients who felt comfortable with you to share that information with you, and they trusted you in sharing that information. That's so smart. you can weave that in, and you can always build upon it. Even if they don't acknowledge it during that conversation, you've opened the door for future conversations. Yeah, that's, that's very, very smart. 
So limited time, as you know, um, I want to encourage our users to do a couple of things. Um, first of all, I want them to check out your book. It's called State of Decay, right? It's a yes. guide to understanding and treating meth mouth. Uh, meth mouth, mouth is in uh, quotes. Tell us a little bit about your book, just a, just a, a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a, um, I wrote the book and it's available on Amazon. Amazon. Once again, it's called um, A State of Decay, Your Dental Guide to Understanding and Treating Meth Mouth. This is a really easy read. It's a very conversational read, but it really walks the uh, reader through my own uh, discovery with my patients about um, trying to understand what this pattern of decay was and then leading them into uh, some research that I did that was published later on in the Journal of the California Dental Association. But it's a very easy read. It gives you practical tips. I mean, you could read this book in a day. You could read it in a week. But it's going to, I think, make a difference because it provides the reader with action-based items that they can walk back into their practice and do. What should be on that health history form? What questions that you ask? Office policies that you need to have in place if you have patients under the influence? Treatment strategies? Um, recognizing your own angst and pain points around having these conversations. So it's a very easy read. Um, and I highly recommend uh, for anyone who uh, wants to gain a, a higher degree of mastery to pick up the book or attend one of my workshops. Yeah. And even if I think, you know, you're in a practice that maybe you don't see much of this, I think this is, you know, the more you learn, the more you can be part of a solution, right? There's a significant problem with substance abuse that we've been trying to tackle in this country for forever. And, uh, you know, I think every little uh, cog in that wheel can help. So just learning more, I think is terrific. Um, speaking of learning more, you have some, you have a workshop coming, workshop coming up. It's called, uh, remind me, it's Breaking Bad, Breaking Through Workshop, right? Yes. And it's available for this as well, correct? Yes, yes. So the workshop, I have two workshops coming up. One is March 5th and 6th, and the other is April 30th and May 1st. It's, um, a 12-hour over two days uh, with CE credits attached, but it's going to be a dynamic and interactive and engaging and quite honestly, fun time where we're going to be able to do a deep dive into really creating um, a plan for the dental team to manage patients who present to their practices with a methamphetamine use disorder. And as you mentioned, Patrick, this is not going away. COVID pandemic is colliding with our substance abuse epidemic here in this country. Um, we're seeing patients with um, more social, social isolation, anxiety, uh, people expressing more feeling of sadness. Yep. And it's projected that we're, uh, we've already seen a significant increase in alcohol sales in this country, calls to mental health crisis sites, um, and suicides. And so as a profession, we can not only just get around this issue, we can get ahead and we can maybe make an inroad um, by providing a uh, another level of professional support to this crisis. Yeah, that's well said. Dr. Brown, um, I want to thank you for being here. I want to encourage our uh, listeners to go to your website. It's drronniebrown.com. That's D-R-R-O-N-N-I-B-R-O-W-N. So there's no I. Ronnie Brown, drronniebrown.com. There is an I, but there's no E. Oh, <laughs> of course, right? I, I apologize. So yes. It's R-O-N-N-I-B-R-W-N, drronniebrown.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate the opportunity. I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, us too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. 
Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.